This show was brought to you by Nada. Nada. What's the racism? We no have that. No, really, we no have. We no have. Nada. Sexy, on trend, and not racist. Except maybe by accident. A little. Have you ever been delusional? And was your name Jacquees? Did you try to come for Keith Sweat in a disrespectful way? Tell me where you live and I, I will pop you in the mouth. Oh, Jacquees, Jacquees, you are making me feel really fatigued with this nonsense stop making over songs that i like oh you're not fit to do candy rain yes i'm giving you your pop culture moment at the beginning because i just can't well because we have a special guest and a special topic for the majority of this episode, but also because I don't know whether to be impressed or annoyed. I mean, I'm definitely annoyed, but Jacquees is continuing with this I'm the king of R&B thing by now, like making over songs that were really special to some of us who were kids in the 90s. And it's it's got to stop. You didn't add anything to this. Like he added nothing to it except I think he was actually flat in a recorded, like studio recorded version he did of Candy Rain. He said, instead of saying, you're the same, my Candy Rain, he went, Candy Rain. It was just, I was just like, did you just, were you in the studio? Like, yeah, yeah, I'm um, going to make that flat. Like, oh, you want to go half step down? Like, no, I'm just not going to like hit the note that's written. Like, good night. Yes, you have arrived at the right spot. You have come to the sixth episode of Cake and Kombucha with your host, Kalechi Azie, where we get into a little bit of politics, news, pop culture, social media, music, fun stuff, serious stuff. You know, it's cake and it's kombucha. Eat some cake, drink some kombucha afterwards. It cancels out the calories. All right, let's get it. So really quickly, Cardi B did an ASMR video saying that she only misses Offset's dick and not m- nothing else. To that I say, yeah, sis, that's real. Like, I mean, I get it. And I just hope that you steady the course because after he annoys you to a certain degree, you literally will black out. You won't remember his name if you're anything like me. So, I mean, yeah, but people were definitely on the internet coming for her saying, you're a mother. You're a mother, but you're a mother. <laughs> One day your kids are going to find out you had sex with their father. <laughs> Wait a minute. Are you trying to tell me that you're a mom and you're not a virgin? <laughs> what are morals? I mean, you can tell I feel about that. Not, not much. So I hope she doesn't take him back because he's an idiot. Like, I don't know the details of what happened. I don't even know how much of a publicity stunt this is. You guys saw that he interrupted her concert at the Rolling Out Festival, which I was actually uh, in the airport shuttle with two girls that were headed to the Rolling Out Festival um, last week in LA. But as you guys saw, he interrupted her concert to apologize. I'm sorry, bruh. No, no, you, you won't know. No, you're not going to call me, bruh. No, no, you're just not going to do it. You're not going to do it. I, 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 I was just lost. I was lost. I was lost. I was lost in the elevator. I, I, I didn't, I didn't cheat up with on that girl. I didn't cheat with that girl, but I definitely entertained it. These are all private thoughts. I don't even know if they're, they're things that should be said out loud at home. They're just, just keep them to yourself. You, it's so it's so strange it's so strange but honestly I appreciate it Cardi B saying like you guys talking badly about my baby daddy on the internet isn't helping me either just like leave me alone but then a number one I am guess I am talking badly about your baby daddy on the internet right now but b what happened to when people just didn't announce things on Instagram like So Chris Pine is now dating uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter. 
and Maria Shriver. I, I, she's Maria Shriver's daughter. She looks just like Maria Shriver. And it was her birthday, and he made a post on Instagram saying, you know, I'm so lucky to have grown to know you over the six months and, and et cetera, et cetera. And, and I just... What if it? What if you texted people stuff like that? What would happen just as an experiment? I'm not sure. I just don't know the line, you know? I'm not sure what the line is. I guess if I knew for a fact that the entire purpose of this was to give fodder for, like, tabloids to write about you and announce and, like, you know, people becoming couples to promote whatever they have going on, I would feel better about it, but... I, yeah, I would actually feel better about that. But the idea that this is just normal communication is just call me grandma. Call me Eloise. Call me Grandma Eloise. Because I just, no, call me Eunice. Because I don't, I'm not with it. We have another special guest this week. And this guest, I am biologically related to you. Yes. I am bringing you straight from the womb. We weren't in there at the same time, but we were in the same one. My sister, noted civil rights lawyer, Chinyere Azie, is here on the podcast with us to talk about how she made a major fashion house in Europe implode from the inside. And yes, I am talking about Prada. I was not very subtle in the intro. I mean... Nada, one of our sponsors, might have reminded you of Prada. They're not related. But in any case, I want to get started, launch into this. We're going to spend a little bit longer on this segment, and it's going to kind of comprise most of the show for this special historical, socially relevant, and kind of, you know, pop culturally relevant incident, issue, concept. All right, let's get started. So for those of you who don't know, blackface is a practice of literally blacking up one's face. Um, Performers in the late 1800s, early 1900s, they would use burnt cork was a common way of doing it. You burn the cork, you put it all over your face with Vaseline, um, grease paint, um, and basically creating exaggerated features and uh, performing in this sort of caricature mockery of blackness. Um, typical features of that included, uh, as we said, the, the pitch black paint on one's face. Um, the eyes were whitened around the eyes and exaggerated and giant red lips were typically drawn across the face. Um, so this was kind of where American theater got started. It became the most popular form of entertainment in the country. And by the 1860s, you have African-American performers also putting on blackface. Why? Because... That was how they were allowed to perform, sadly. And I think you'll find parallels of that today when you think about some of the things that we have to do that we we don't really want to do as performers. Um, so I, you may be familiar with the classic film The Jazz Singer starring Al Jolson, or you may be fam- familiar with Stephen Foster who wrote over 300 songs about Dixie, um, including songs like, Oh, Susanna... Oh, don't you cry for me, because I've come from... You remember that song? Mm-hmm. Come from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. Or Camptown Races, sing the song, Duda. Or Camptown Ladies, Duda. Or, let's see. Oh, sw- oh way down upon the Swan. Hey, river, that. Polly Wally Doodle. How does that go again? Polly Wally Doodle all the day or something. I mean, these were songs that I had to play. Like, they're easy chord progressions, so we had them in our little piano book. These are all songs that were, if you listen to the words about life on the plantation and it was these songs were dedicated to you know reminiscing about the old the good old days in the south when black people were slaves and happy and pleasant and it was just a gee gosh jolly whiz knee slapping good time out there picking cotton so this is an entire you know form of theater there were famous character tropes like the zip coon who was well, when we say coon nowadays, that's where that comes from. Like someone who is, you know, this port performing this exaggerated uh, show of ignorance and stupidity, basically, and just low intellect and acting a fool. Um, there was the Jezebel, who was the overly sexual, you know, hyper exaggerated features uh, black woman. There was the dandy, who was the kind of, you know, lampooning when black people were free and went up north and got 
an education. He would be kind of a malaprop, you know, be, always be using words incorrectly and uh, be overdressed or dressed for the wrong occasion. Uh, and, you know, Jim Crow was also a song from that era. Wheel about, turn about, jump just so. Every time I turn about, I jump Jim Crow. It was a song. And that's where the term Jim Crow comes from. With this uh, legacy of theatrical performances, music, uh, the style, which comprised a lot of what vaudeville actually was, came a whole collection of trinkets, collectibles, statues, figurines that were blackface figurines. Yeah, so that takes us to 2018, sadly. Without further ado, Chinure Azie. She is a lawyer who works for the Center for Constitutional Rights. Woot woot. And she's worked lots of other important places as well. You know. She's freed some clients from prison who were wrongfully imprisoned. She is a crusader for justice. She's a planeteer, and you can be one too. Saving our planet is the thing to do. All right. So, do you want to tell what happened from the beginning? Why, of course. Um, Shout out to my fabulous little but much taller than me since uh, I was like five um, little sister and her amazing podcast. Oh, I you am don't have to do that. a very big fan. She's so. not being paid, guys. She's doing this for free. Yes. Yeah. I listen to this podcast in my free time on my own volition. So I'm delighted to be a special guest. Thank you. And um, when Kalechi introduced me as a lawyer, this, that, the other extraordinaire, what she really should have just said is I have a big ass mouth and I will run it off where I see fit and speak truth to power. So, you know, just Fight another day in the office. Fight the power. And so just about a week ago today. About a week ago. I was on my way to work. Um, I'm an attorney at the Center for Constitutional Rights. And I was just back from a trip to Washington, D.C., where I had you know, bawled my eyes out at the Smithsonian Museum, you know, casually and all that, um, because they, um, the new African American History Museum documents, you know, our legacy of racism in this country and blackface and basically how history keeps repeating itself. And it was like terribly emotional, including because I was surrounded by all these like white tourists who were saying things like, who's Emmett Till? And laughing and I just kind of wanted to um, explode a bit and so I'm kind of in my thoughts um, getting off the subway on Broadway and Prince Street dragging my luggage um, behind me going to the office and then I pass some racist bullshit at the Prada store in Soho their flagship store basically I was confronted with these like Sambo ass looking crazy racist figurines and had to collect all of my thoughts little black sambo is also is a children's book it's also blackface it's about this boy what does he do he chases a tiger he turns into butter there's cannibalism it's weird black people are eaten sort of doesn't he turn into butter yeah, I think the tiger turns into butter for the pancakes. It's it's some racist ass shit. He's, it's blackface. Uh, the original illustrations continue. And so, just for those that don't have a visual, what I'm talking about are these dark skinned, pitch black figurines with humongous lips. You these know. humanoid monkey things with big red lips that look just like a, a gollywog, actually, which is another popular. Uh, children's toy it was from this blackface book from like 1890 something a British book I believe and these little black uh, coal black figurines with big red lips and and yarn hair sticking up straight all over their heads were collectibles kind of like teddy bears Um, and so having just left the Smithsonian you know these were like very familiar images you know um really just you know I was in Soho in 2018 but I was seeing stuff that literally belonged in an exhibit on racism through history so what did you do so I took a picture Mm -hmm. and I texted it to my mama but you also asked someone in the store what what's the deal with this right 
Well, not in that order. Um, first, I like texted my mama, and I was like, what the hell is this? And basically, everyone, including you, I think, were on that thread. I was like, oh, this is some like blackface. Oh, what, what, what's going on exactly? And then I made my way into work, and... You know, I walk straight into the office of my legal director and I'm like, um, what do these images look like to you? And he was like, oh my goodness, this is some blackface. And I was like, mm-hmm, okay, two out of two. And so then I like... This is a white guy? This is a Arab guy. Okay. So, you know, th- at this point I've had like black validators, black validators in their 50s, you know, non-black folks are like, mm, this is problematic, like what the hell? And so at that point, I basically recruit someone from my office to walk back to the Prada store with me, just again, because I'm like really tripping. I'm like, is this... Look at how thoughtful... I didn't know all this thought went into deciding to set it off. I would have just been like, go off! Go off! You know, I try to like judiciously put people on blast. So I'm doing... All sorts of like market research real fast with people I know being like, this is what I just saw. What do you think? People are freaking out. And so I walk back to the store with this coworker and I'm like, I know I was supposed to like have a tender coffee date with you and like mentor you and talk to you about like your future as a lawyer, but I'm just distracted. Let's look at this storefront together. Tell me if I'm tripping. And she's like, oh, nope, that's some blackface. Yep, yep, yep. And so again, we walk in the store together and then we're seeing all of these crazy examples of more of the Sambo imagery, like, you know, like a Sambo hanging keychain trinket for your like $5,000 Prada bag for the modest price of $550 and like, Sambo tables and like Sambo sculptures and it's just like completely nuts and so basically I have a meltdown in the middle of the store and talking to no one in particular I start saying do you have any black employees didn't someone tell you this is blackface and this like just in that register too it's more effective when you're a soprano you know I mean exactly right I So I'm literally just like, you know, standing in the middle of this store, not really yelling, because if you know me, I kind of speak with no She's modulation. A chill, chill vibe. I'm I'm pretty chill, except when I'm upset. So I was just speaking very pointedly, but not terribly loudly, but like demanding answers. Not all black women are loud like me. <laughs> and so basically someone comes over and they're like, real talk, this is what actually was said to me. Oh, yeah, you're not the first person to point out that this might be blackface. (laughs) There was a black employee who did say that. Oh, but he doesn't work here anymore. Shade. Retaliation. Call the EOC. Get get those coins. Yeah. So basically, um, I took to the Internet after that. I made a tweet, but I have zero Twitter followers besides close family and friends. Okay, let me take over now. Got it. So it was it went viral, but not my Twitter because right, my no, Twitter no. I had my dear Aunt Carla. But how many Facebook friends? My do you dear have? Aunt Carla retweeted it, and that had one like. Although it was more like an angry like, "What the hell?" So two hours have passed. Oh. I've made a Twitter post. I have two retweets. So then I'm like, "This ain't gonna work, people. This ain't gonna work." So then I take to the Facebooks and I post the images I'd snapped in the store of all these crazy racist how many facebook followers or facebook friends do you have not that many so i made a public post and um went to bed furious um and woke up and there were news reporters sliding in my dms okay but the minute to minute and maybe because i was in la i was actually recording the last podcast with uh roger and you were probably awake when i was yeah i was awake when you were sleeping myself to sleep i was literally just like me and roger like do 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 recording having a little party as we do we get together and kiki and then i was like wow chino's facebook post has been shared 400 times like it's surpassed like i hate facebook's algorithm it's changed it's not good for people who do any kind of like marketing or self-promotional things i feel like personally it's hard to get traction with facebook so i watch and i saw 
you know, 400 shares. Like I would say like 300, 400 likes is for like a really huge announcement. Like I died, like something like that. (laughs) But other than that, I died. I'm resurrected. I gave birth. I was cast in something big. Like that's that's just for the likes. That's for the likes. Yeah. But shares. So I saw 400 shares and I was like, this is a lot. Like who are her friends? Like who, you know, everyone we know is just sharing this. And then I see how I get more and more. Then it's a thousand comments. And and then it just kept going up. And then I was like, oh, wait, this is viral. And before I knew the speed, before I knew, like, numerically it was viral, I kind of knew just, like, exponential. Is that the word I want? Like, I just knew if, if it keeps increasing in this proportion, like, it's it's basically viral. Like, you've released it at this time. There's this many, there's this many shares at this point. Like, it's essentially viral. And then... I woke up and suddenly a bitch was all over the news. So Bitches what, on the news. What news outlets have you been on? NBC? All of them. U- <laughs> so, NBC, USA, so just, Today. Just back it up. Just back it up a little bit, okay? Oops, that was a... That's Trevor Noah. Give me a shout out. Let me close it out, though. So see, that's the real funny thing. I don't actually know how to use my phone or the internet, so I was terribly surprised that anyone was paying attention to what the hell I had to say yeah but, like what do we think I mean you put hashtags in it or like how does how did you get it viral just as a study say I should have something really important I want to go viral like this podcast um so I think you make it public I think you post some crazy ass blackface images and okay, get well the public very all right angry. that's not helpful for this podcast but yeah. anyway so um 11,000 shares later um, oh, 8,000 8, like little Facebook emojis, most of them angry, notably no loves, just angry faces and shocked faces. But some of the angry faces were from people that are angry, that were angry at racism. And we'll get to that. I think those people didn't make like a emoji symbol. They just like started to troll. And um, I'm jumping around a little bit, but I do want to give a shout out to all of the people I went to high school with. Black, white, Latino, other, Vietnamese, one who just gave birth over the weekend. Who? And nonetheless, Hi Kong. Oh my gosh. Hi Kong had a baby and was on my Facebook feed slapping oh some trolls what around, troll hunting oh from the maternity me. ward. And I'm just like, y'all yes, are the Mama realest. Bear. And so they always tell you, don't look at the comments. And I obsessively read the comment. It's terrible. It'll keep you up at night. But these comments, y'all, they gave me life. Life-giving. When I tell you the clapback was so real for, like, the few people who, like, had the like, gall to wander on my page and be like, oh, you mean these cute little monkeys that are not offensive at all? Like, all kinds of people were, like, stomping on their heads. And it was hilarious because half of them are people I have not seen in 25 years. Okay, went well, to middle school with me. less than half of like there was 11,000 shares so they were all city honors people there was it was very positive because there were lots of allies showing true is it allyship or allyship you know that thing you do when you're not part of the affected community but you still like keep it really real that was happening yeah with and all was, sorts of people I've never met slash the buffalo people I was I impressed at how many people immediately recognized it for what it was um, especially who are like from younger generations. I'm always very unimpressed with the old people who were so old. They were probably alive during slavery. They are like, I don't know what's offensive about this Megan Kelly. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was, it was a moment. It was pretty real. And so basically just for sequencing. So I went to bed, um, Thursday night a week ago, totally despondent because I basically thought, that this was just another case where black people had to deal with some like crazy racist stuff and just swallow that bitter pill and collect our thoughts and collect ourselves and go to work and act like you know it's just another day in in America and instead I woke up because uh you know I like to sleep in and get my get my beauty rest I woke up to basically reporters like being up in my dms being like um so we just filmed someone scrambling away with the like Sambo trinket and they were like, you know, like walking like a penguin to the back of the room, like hiding that shit. And oh yeah, they're like sliding down the blinds at the Prada storefront and the store is not opening and 
Prada's releasing a statement. And- yeah, so, okay, let's take a quick break, but I want to get into all that. We talked about how the story went viral, but when we come back, let's discuss that something actually happened. Like, change was actually made. Hootie hoo. Woot woot. But what's wrong? If I make the little monkeys, girl, you look like a little monkey. Why is it? Why are you so mad? He's so funny. He's so funny. <laughs> Luigi, no, I hit my head on the block. Nada, I'm not really sure what we're doing here, but it's late. So when I woke up in LA, I thought Prada had closed. I was like, this fashion house is no more. Um, Donatella Versace will reign now and have no competition. I will say um, the Prada flagship store did not open at 11 a.m. Like it was supposed to that day. It was not open at 12. They had to basically go through that store and like, you know, um, as someone said on Twitter and it gave me life, um... They had to fire David Duke as their window dresser, <laughs> and so basically, it's, they took it, had to, it took them at least three hours to get all them sambos out of there. So the store was not even open, and the, there was cardboard blinds like the blinds gra- rolled down. They rolled there was down blinds. Camera crew that saw them like and f- the windows like, were the windows were covered. That's why I was like, oh shoot, the store is shuttered. It's being sold to a restaurant group. <laughs> so it's no more. <laughs> So, um, you know, after several hours, the store did reopen. They had um, redecorated. There without, were protesters outside. Without the help of any Klansmen this time. Um, there were some protesters outside. Shout out to, uh, you know, you know who you are. And then, um, you know, they issued this dusty apology, non-apology. And they got read for filth once again by complete strangers on the Internet. So we should back up. So, um, these trinkets were from a collection called Pradamalia. Otto and Tato. What a a very creative portmanteau. So, Pradamalia, like, they're supposed to be animals-ish. No, they're supposed to be imaginary creatures that don't really exist. Well, obviously, but the uh, Animalia, like, it's, you know, in there. So There's the Latin part. Yeah, so they said they were... uh, creatures from our imagination and are not meant in any way to represent blackface. What place she's doing is quoting the Dusty Apology. It says, and they said they abhor racism, which is like, how many people are like, racism is delicious. Like, that's not really saying a lot. But I was very interested. Should we talk about the philosophical, the artistic part? Um, Let's first talk about the reaction and then we'll break down the apology. So, Yes, protesters outside the store, news coverage from all these different outlets, um, interviews. Outlets in case you're where, who are you, where were you interviewed? ABC, NBC, BBC, you know me, I don't know, some places in Japan, some dude from Chad was in my DMs being like, I saw you on the news, apparently our Nigerian cousins saw like a broadcast. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. Um... There's some, like, coverage in Vietnam today, China, Greece. So basically, this story... So it was a story, national news story. So if you Google blackface right now, it's the top... If you Google blackface right now, that's it's the top... Um, that's what comes up. And their Wikipedia page has been updated to say, proud of blackface scandal. But that's not the end of the story. So let's make sure we tell it... Okay, so they released a statement, which... I was calling an apology, but Chinyrae wouldn't even call an apology, really. It's, it's a statement. It doesn't, I guess it doesn't say sorry. Nope. And then what happens? So, once again, um, all of my new stranger friends on the internet checked Prada really hard, including Jingle Bells Web Jr., who wrote, I am a 53-year-old white man in the South. You can Prada oeuvre all you want. I know blackface when I see it, and this is it. Holla, fifty-three-year-old. Can you really myself. say holla? That was my that was my addition because okay. I am showing my appreciation to this gentleman here. Um, another response: the KKK Prada line not going well? Question mark. Um, of course it's blackface. 
It's like someone looked up blackface and copied every single picture associated with it. You'd have to be brain dead to live in the United States and not understand that this is over-the-top racist. By the way, these three tweets brought to you by white people who, nonetheless, unlike Prada, knew this was some racist bullshit. All right, white people for the win. So do you think that the tweets is why... um, Do you think that's the reason for what happened next, or...? Yeah, so Prada's first um, bogus apology attracted about, like, 2,000 people calling them out on there and just reading them for filth. So, and then I, you know, took to the internets um, because I realized the internets were my friends, and I pointed out that Prada had yet to slide in my DMs and actually say sorry. So you felt you personally were owed an apology. I did. Why not? (laughs) So shortly after sending that tweet they did in fact slide up in my DMs with an apology and um that was something I published to my Facebook shortly thereafter. So she got a letter from Prada saying, we would like to apologize to Miss AZ. (laughs) Just if you ever want to just take things just to see quite how far they can go, that would be an exercise in that. Um, so, but that's not the point. We're talking about your personal apology. What actually happened? Okay, they well, pulled yes. the whole line from the stores. First, it looked like they had just uh, removed the animals from the display in Soho. We'll get to the animal part too. The animals from the display in Soho, um, so just to make the store not offensive. But they were the the line was still being sold on the internet. But then. That has changed. They have withdrawn these expensive ass wait, racist just, just that one and worldwide. Wait, no, what about the whole Pratamalia thing? I think they're still selling the octopus one that was actually perhaps imaginary and not some racist um Sambo. And then one there's figures. one that looks like a robot and something like that. So it's so many interesting things to like dissect with that. We have to put a pin in that. Um, me and Roger say put a pin in that. Like a thumbtack, like so shut yeah so it's done she she got them cancelled like we they've been cancelled they got cancelled and the reason this is so exciting there's so many reasons but personally I've been having a lot of racism fatigue this year and also kind of a sense of hopelessness kind of a feeling like not I don't want to blame like black people for a lack of organizing but it because it's not it it's more like there's just so many things to address at any given time and it seems like we're not taken seriously sometimes by the media like i honestly doubted that this anything would happen from this so did i i went to bed on thursday completely depressed and you know it was really only when clay pointed out that people were like sharing this you know and then waking up and seeing that prada was already scrambling to sort of pull these like you know, sambos out of their window display. Like I, I was frankly shocked because I was shocked. It's it's and it says a lot and it's sad. But honestly, you know, we're we're trying to not be killed. We're you know we have people getting fired for for nonviolent protests in the in the NFL. I mean, it's controversial to say things like Black Lives Matter. It's controversial to observe that we are you know despite crime in impoverished neighborhoods, which hint hint crime happens in all high poverty areas. Um, which, you know, people like to call, quote, black and black violence. It's not good when the people who are supposed to enforce the law of the land cannot be trusted and persecute and seek out and murder you at a higher rate. Like, we have to tiptoe and explain why that makes sense. So in that kind of world, it's very, it seems like, oh, well, this is just one, another one of those slights that's, like, extremely hurtful and offensive, but... That you have to sort of just swallow. swallow. And that was really where I, how I felt... I felt very um, powerless the first evening and, and frankly, distraught. Powerless is how you feel from these things, yeah. And distraught, distraught that you have to kind of grieve racism. You have to witness racism and grieve it by your lonesome, you know, in America so often. And I think the fact that this sort of became the opposite of that and basically my voice was amplified by all of these woke or basically sentient like I have a pulse I have eyes this is a racist don't be ableist you know if you don't have eyes and we described it to you you (laughs) could still know that it's racist yes sorry eyeless people of, of the world but basically anyone who heard about this or saw it or 
experienced it, rubbed it with their hands via um, the interwebs, was outraged. You know, at least ninety nine point seven percent of them, and they spoke up and they checked the trolls who were like, "What do you mean? You know, racism is over, Obama." And you know, it basically, like, was so life giving and so inspiring that speaking up mattered for change. So let's talk about, uh, let's take a quick break for a second, and then let's talk about the trolls, some common anti, no, pro-racism, some anti-anti-racism tropes, and and what this imagery means, and how, how do we, like, justify imagery. All right. BRB. Nada. We wear colonialism like it's last season's fur jacket. Because who really needs fur anyway? It's so passe. It didn't happen. We don't have racism in Italy, but we do throw bananas at African immigrants and tell them they look like gorillas. Because we can. Because we are eternal. Because of our oeuvre. We're not a racism. Who is she? I don't know her. You can't tell us the monkeys are inappropriate. We like the monkeys! We like the monkeys! I don't know who that guy is, but he sounds just like Mario. It's weird, because I don't play video games. Tricks are for kids. Okay, so one of my favorite angry tweets, which I may or may not have started arguing with, was this guy who said that he didn't, uh, how he said shame on you shame on you for accusing Prada of racism you pig how dare you they had no they did not intend to do it at all should we ban sock monkeys too I'm like bitch maybe and my response to that is these images only have one historical reference and that is denigrating racist imagery used to oppress black folks and ridicule their attempts to be full citizens and to participate fully in in American society. But but more but also like people like that are pig piggybacking off of what half apologies, you know, we're in the we're in the year the the era of half apologies and no ownership and just saying that anything bad that happens that possibly reminds you of something else bad is just you know, it's just a coincidence. And it's it's not believable. And you see this in the same thing in the Me Too movement. Like, I'm sorry that she didn't understand my sense of humor when I put my dick on her ear or whatever. Like, it's just... So I feel like this is an instance of that because Prada said that these images are from our imagination. So any, you know, any, like, basically, let's like the law and order disclaimer, like any resemblance between this and you know, reality is just a coincidence. And I don't buy that because the idea that art is created in a vacuum or a void, like, unless, even if you were an alien from outer space, there's so many aliens on this podcast, even if you're an alien from outer space, you would probably get, like, you know, like in the movie Contact, you get those little, like, radio, like, bits of imagery on the satellite. Like, you would probably know what blackface is. But what I really was going to say was, you, you, this, this imagery is in, like, your subconscious it's around you you've seen it before i've worked i've tempted like a design firm if you google you know monkey cartoons and something you're probably gonna get to something that is blackface related like you know the crows and dumbo were blackface i mean mickey mouse was with the white gloves was based on minstrel character the wb frog is blackface and just to give a shout out to more um woke strangers from the internet um, Ayabot responded to Prada's fake apology and said, they deadass look like every single racist blackface caricature ever. So this this is elements of fantasy is absolute horseshit. But I don't even care if it's horseshit. I mean, I do care, but I'm just interested in the idea that people can say, this was a joke. This is a toy. This is a game. This is this, so you can't feel this way about it. Or even the idea that it's an accident. You literally have no black people working in any sort of non-token-ass position at your company if you put this product to market. Like, any black person would have checked you. Any woke 
white person, any semi-conscious person of any ethnic background. No, but we're assuming that. But this, but the thing is, it's funny because people keep saying like, "Well, this isn't American, so it's not racist." And it's like, no. In this case, maybe it's not American, and that's why it was allowed to be so racist. I mean, I don't understand how it came to a display in Soho. Like, that's a huge oversight. But I do feel like in many, many countries around the world, for some reason, it's like they don't remember colonizing anyone and America gets to represent what racism is. We also saw that Oh, in your mentions. Shout out to Lydia Thornton, who was uh, fighting this Buffalo, battle. Buffalo, Buffalo. Someone said, we don't have, this is European. We don't have racism like America or something. Like... Well, yeah, you don't have racism like America, stupid. You have racism like you. And they also, Lydia is my high school buddy, and they said to her, well, you've never lived in Europe. And I was like, well, yeah, she has for like two, three years. You're the wrong one. So, And she- I also was just in a cab with these lovely ladies from South Africa who live in London and Wales, respectively. And they were like, this is some this is some crazy Gollywog racist stuff. Like they Oh yeah, because Gollywog was a British book, yeah. They were literally like clutching their imaginary pearls in horror that this happened in 2018. Yeah, so I mean And this was a European perspective. And what I, I kind of think is like people actually are more offensive. You know, I heard a story about Colombia. There was a famous um a famous comedian who just stopped doing blackface uh, this year. He's been doing it for like 30 years. He had a blackface character that was supposed to be an Afro-Colombian from the coast. Um, But in Italy, you know, they were throwing bananas at Italian soccer, at the African-Italian soccer players. I mean, they threw bananas at the first, was she a member of parliament? The first black member of parliament mm-hmm. and this other guy in parliament, was it a prime minister? I think he to- he said she looked like a gorilla. Um, so my question is, why all the monkey and black people associations in Italy if no one has ever made that connection before? It's like, yes, something can be an animal and it can also be a characterization of, you know, some people. They're bipedal animals. They are humanistic looking and they have become a racist uh, slur against black people. Duh. Time memoria. Duh. I heard some when do you remember, I don't know if you remember when we were in Disney World, someone called dad a, uh, monkey, we were crossing the street. Af- well, African booty scratcher. That was definitely that's the one I remember. That was from other black people, unfortunately. That's not quite the well, same well, thing. Well. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 utter nonsense. But I I just wish people would think more logically. Basically, like you know, when's the last time you sat in a room and drew something that had no influences at all from the outside world? Like it's also let's just talk about like. Have you heard of the internet? Do you know the Do you know the Google? Have you read a book? Can you read a book? Why do we have to educate you about every damn thing when you are running a multinational but I'm billion cynical. I don't believe. Company. I don't always believe people. I I just see so many old people being like, I didn't know that this was the. I'm like. I'm just saying it's irrelevant. You like, was driving Miss Daisy, you don't know? A, you lying. B, irrelevant because totally the internet exists at in, your fingertips. I could totally see people sitting around a table in Italy thinking that it's cute because it's reminiscent of some blackies that they thought were like, they thought it was, you know, charming. Like, I could, I could literally see them, you know, purposely making the connection, thinking it was charming. I mean... Honestly, it's not, if you think about it, it's not that crazy. I mean, these images proliferated culture, you know, in America and then got all the way around the world for so long that some of those people probably just have positive associations with the cute little, you know, thing that was on their grandma's counter or whatever. Like, I was in Budapest um, this fall at a bar and they have a, uh, they had a blackface, uh, like, napkin holder. I took a picture of it. I was horrified and I felt embarrassed. I felt like just awkward to be the only, you know, Africans in there. I was hanging out with some Nigerians I'd met and like for that to be there, it was, it was, it was really, it's just, it's not cool. And I think for me, the bottom line is in 2018, there's no excuse. There's no excuse for ignorance. There's no excuse for racism. You can't just throw your hands up in the air and say, I don't know. If you didn't know, then you are sitting in spaces where there's no diversity, and that's its own problem. But you also know. But, like, yes, there should be diversity. Either way, no To keep excuses. people, 
you know, knowing or not knowing diabolical or not, there has there have to be people to keep these dumb decisions from happening because like it's like, do you guys like making statements? Do you like calling the black person after to use all the like proper keywords and talk about how taking spaces and listening and blah, blah, blah? Or could you just like you could get it right the first could time? Could you just check yourself before you wreck yourself? Get it right the first time. But um, let's wrap up when we come back talking about the next steps with Prada and planes out to Milan. So what's the latest update? I was nervous that by the time we got, she didn't have time to record with me earlier because I was going to do a special, a special release of breaking news, but she was being interviewed by, you know, legitimate news sources. So what's the, what's the latest update? What have, what have you and Prada been personally talking about? Well, um, you can be uh, you can do the exclusive on on the Prada DMs, but um, basically, after shaming them, DMs is what we do for not apologizing. Okay, they emailed me, but I still was you know I made the call out. I'm trying to be millennial, y'all. I mean, I feel like the internet. You are a millennial. uh, I have a lot of gray hair, but that's another story. But anyways, um, so because I you know kept riling up the the internet. Prada reached out and they issued me an apology and they also asked to meet with me. Um, they had actually asked to meet with me today and I was traveling for business. Um, shout out to Buffalo, which um, is apparently a destination for business because that's where I was. And um, in any event, you know, Buffalo is also where we're from. I don't think I've said yet. Woot woot. Mm-hmm. Buffalo. And, you know, I think that for me, what's more important than anything is this whole, um, you know, debacle results in meaningful change. And to me, you know, I don't want to, like, be run up in that, you know, corporate headquarters and given, you know, a nice Prada handbag bags. and I mean, But it's a funny that we op. both said we don't want pr- handbags because do we want handbags? I do not want handbags. I want people of color in the boardroom at Prada. And I want people handbags. of color in the design floor i want people of color in marketing if oh, there but was they're already taking your suggestion you didn't mention that part oh well, they you know they've said that they're going to divest the proceeds of um their embarrassing um kkk line as one internet friend put it and um donate it to a racial justice organization but as for your suggestion it was my sense. suggestion i'll also give a shout out to jumani williams he also you know Fine minds, think alike. But that said, you know, I think there still needs to be a lot of oversight and a lot of accountability to make this really work and to make it meaningful. And so, you know, if Prada really is interested in um, getting me to stop tweeting furiously at them, then they're going to commit to a longer and more serious conversation that has people boarding flights from Milan and coming to speak with me. Like, um... I'm going to turn to my sister who actually knows how to pronounce Italian words. Uh, not this word. What's her, her name is Mucha? Mew, it sounds like. Boss, boss lady Prada. A Pokemon like Mewtwo. Mew, Mew, Mew. Mew, if that, Mewtwo, if that is what you wish. I had to take our little brother to that movie and Mewtwo kept going. If that is what you wish. It's I would have weird. thought Me Too would be like, Mew, Mew, Mew. Mew is a giant cat with, like, kangaroo legs. He's an albino cat. Anyway. That doesn't sound cute at her all. Her name is, like, M-U-I-C-C-A-M-U-I-M-I-U-C-C-A, Mucha or something like that. Look. Mucha Prada. She is a very important lady, but, you know, no one has made a real effort I to know how to pronounce my name of the past couple days. So I'm just going to, like, wing it, you know? But, I mean... I really think that all of the decision makers need to be at the table for this to be a real learning experience um, and a meaningful engagement. So, um, you know, we'll see if they take up that invitation. If not, um, you know, you know where to find me. Uh, hashtag boycott Prada. That's the hashtag. That's what I said. <laughs> That's not your. Oh, OK, fine. <laughs> Look, I already explained, I'm not actually skilled at the internet. This has all been a learning process for me, too. So you can find me at Lawyer Girl with no eyes and lots of R's. So L-A-W-Y-E-R 
G-R-R-L. L. That's my Twitter. Lawyer girl. Girl. Because I was a riot girl. Girl. Oh, not like girl. 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 It's, you know, it's like the the roar version of girl. This is a punk rock. And I am notoriously on Facebook now, although I have a mostly curated list of close, intimate friends when I'm not ranting at corporate um about corporate accountability matters and racism in america but you can um find me through my awesome sis and i will also be continuing to shout her podcast off the high heavens because it is everything thank you so for the much culture. you're biased though you're not only on the show's a guest you're related to me but i appreciate that's it no matter i appreciate it that's a lot no matter. so that's it for our 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 deep dive into our like scoop like i said my podcast wasn't investigative journalism but it might have just become investigative journalism guys watch out the daily watch out gonna be the weekly and i mean npr has not run this story yet so um i think you just scooped them oh that's it that's our show so please um subscribe on apple subscribe and leave a review that's how we get pushed to the top of the search results because they have changed their algorithms as well so it's kind of hard to find things that you want to find um you can follow me at at kelezie k-e-l-e-z-i-e on instagram please email us at cake and kombucha at gmail.com and let me know what you think what you want to hear more of i want to know let me know all right catch you next week Cake and Kombucha was recorded in my New York City apartment. During the course of this production, uh, my radiator started squirting out water six feet up into the air. I wish this was another joke, but it's not. Let me go handle this. But before I go, Cake and Kombucha is produced by me, Kalechi Azie, and Jason Torres. It is a labor of love, and we need your support. The music is by the wonderful and talented, beautiful Haitian goddess Melanie Charles. Catch her at MelanieJBCharles.com or find her on Spotify. Peace out. Darling, I need you.